Okay, so we are back. Um, so we were—I don't know where you heard up to, but I'll—I'll I'll continue. He says that he said, but with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now I said, when the Bible says, but with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. That means something was wrong. Now, which means when he said that. I was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, when the Bible was talking about with many of them, God was not well pleased. Right? It means these people were not functioning in faith. All right. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. In verse 6, he says, examples to the intent we should not last after evil things as they also lasted. Now, one of the first things you need to understand when we are talking about the topic of faith is that Faith is born in the heart. Faith is born in the heart. Faith is always born in the heart. So a lot of the time, like I, I kept, um, you, I used the book of Hagar when God said to them, he said, you have eaten much and yet you are not satisfied. He said, you drink, but you are not filled with drink. He said, but, and he that ends wages, he said, ends wages to put into a bag of holes. That means if faith is born into the heart, um, Sometimes, what does not make your faith work are certain things that are not compatible with the nature of faith. So we start looking at certain things that are com compatible with the nature of faith, where the Bible says these things were an example, things that corrupt people's faith. The first one we mentioned was they turned back to Egypt where in their heart, because I said faith is born in their heart. Bible says man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So every transaction that has to do with God always happens in the heart. Now, make sure you never forget this thing I'm about to say. When you are playing video game, now many boys will be able to relate with what I'm about to say. When you are playing a video game, now you are dealing in dimensions. Now, you hear people say things like 2D, 3D. Now, all these are dimensions. The dimension which we have is a dimension. The one I am, I am connecting with, the, like the guy who is in front of my camera here, he is in my dimension. I know how to communicate with him. Now, when I am watching a video game, it is also in a dimension. The people in the video game can relate with themselves, but they cannot relate with me. For me to be able to relate with them, I have to relate to them according to that dimension. Now, this is the thing about the physical and the spiritual that many people are not able to understand. You see... If I am playing a video game, and I am playing, for example, soccer, FIFA is 21 out. Yeah, 21. Somebody bought me PS5, so I'll try it. You know, if uh, we will look at FIFA, and I'm holding the pad, and I want Ronaldo to score. Doesn't matter how many times I cry. There's only one thing that will make Ronaldo in that dimension respond to me, and that thing is the part in my hand. Even if I kick my leg like this, he won't kick his leg. That's the thing about God's dimension. That's the thing about God's dimension. In God's dimension, you play by the rules. What connects you to that dimension is what you use. You don't reason your way into it. What makes you eligible in that dimension is... The, the part that is giving you. So, the boys understand what I'm talking about, and some girls who can play FIFA understand what I'm talking about. If I press box, according to the configuration, it means short. If that Ronaldo gets close to the post, and I say, 
Score, score, score. He cannot hear me. He is not in my dimension. He said, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So there are, these are the dimensions. When you want to now start having results from God's dimension, from that dimension, you need to understand what pad, all right? What am I supposed to press on the pad that will make uh, sense over there? He said, but with many of them, God was not pleased. So there are things that corrupt the heart. I said, now, faith is born in the heart. And this will turn back to Egypt in their heart. So there are things that do not move well with the heart. Go to James chapter 4. Go James chapter 4. i read verse 8. James, he said, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. James said, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So he says, the one who is double-minded, he said, you should, the person should purify his heart. And that's what we did on the first and second day. We were purifying the heart. Because some of you needed to, you know, you needed to draw away from certain things. Your faith is not working because you are still, you still have different kind of occupants in the heart. So he says, you have turned back to Egypt in your heart. So, if you are not, the Bible says that a backslider is full of his own way. Nobody ever leaves church until he left in the heart. I've been in church for long, so I know what I'm saying. One way, one heart, somebody must have heard the person say something because it was in the person's heart. The person just didn't leave. Nobody just stands up and leaves church. It, the person left. While the person was in service, certain times, the person was gone. So he said, purify your heart. Which means, purifying of the heart is not God's job. Turning your eyes away from Egypt is not God's job. I, I said something on the first day. I want to check. Have you bent your bridges? Check it. Always check your heart. The Bible says, examine yourselves. From time to time, examine yourself. Because sometimes... I remember when I was born again, there was this book my dad gave me. I, 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 I've never seen that book again. It was a tattered book when he gave it to me when I was born again. It's, it's full of different pictures. The first picture of a man, is a man who, got, who was not born again, dirty and all that, with pigs and dogs in his heart. I don't know if any of you have seen it. The next time of the part of the book, it was clean after I gave life to Christ. Then another picture, those dogs were coming back. That kind of person has to cleanse his heart, has to purify his heart, ye double-minded. Purify your heart, you double-minded. You see, purify your heart. You cannot say things like, anybody can backslide, don't judge. Anybody can backslide, it's not true. Psalm 37, verse 31. Okay, to put it in context, start from 30. He said, the mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. That's talking about the, 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 the righteous man. That is the man who is born again. All right. Then there's 31. He says something about him. He said, the law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Give it to me in the message translation. Hmm. Right, right, righteous chews on wisdom like a dog on a bone. Rolls virtue around on his tongue. He said, his heart... Pumps God's word like blood through his veins. His feet are as sure as a... 
He says, he, the law of his God is in his heart. The word of God is in his heart. Once he keeps the word of God in his heart, he said, none of his steps shall slide. So he has nothing about backsliding. So anytime you, the word of God, you're not making the word of God accessible to yourself. What is happening is that you have started a journey of backsliding. You have started a journey of going back. I'll talk about some things today. Mm, we are getting there, we are getting there, we are getting there. Now, the second one was about complaining and murmuring. That one too happens in the heart. I, I want to say this today. So, you know, there are some people, they'll be in a church, and something will happen, and they'll be angry, and they'll go out of the church. I want to say something to you. Any ministry that you go and start because you're angry with your pastor, that ministry can never prosper. Because the Bible says, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You, those, that memory and complaining, that made you go and set up the church. It will break away like that. No, no ministry is never born out of murmuring. Ministry is never born out of complaining. And you know the, 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 the wicked thing about things like that. The same thing that the that pastor did, that took you away, you will do it. In fact, you might even do it more than him. Murmuring and complaining. Those ones who are in the heart. Because you see, the ones who don't have a problem in their heart, when there's an issue, they will come forward and say, Pastor, please, this thing happened and I did not understand or I did not like or we were not understanding this one. And they will say it and it is solved then, then and we all go. But some will not say it. Sit down and murmur and complain and this and this and this. And when the people, Numbers chapter 11, and when the people complain, it displeased the Lord. It displeased the Lord. I said, they said one to another. They said one to another. This is it. They said one to another. They said one to another. This thing is not, it's not, it's not working. The word of God is not working. To say the word of God is not working is another level of pride. The question should be, what don't I know? Because there was a man who came to Jesus and behaved as though he knew everything. The man said, Master, what will I do to have eternal life? And Jesus Christ told him, he said, obey the law. He said, ah, that's why I'm rich. I have obeyed the law from my youth. He said, I have obeyed all of them. Then Jesus Christ said, one thing thou lackest. One thing that thou lackest. That means, even though you obey the law from the beginning, he said, you still lack something. That's the reason why you're not getting the answer you're looking for. He said, now, um, Luke chapter 18, verse 22, he said, Now, when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing. Sometimes, just that one thing is not what is making you see what you are supposed to see. What was that one thing that he lacked? The one thing that he lacked. Jesus Christ told him, Sell all that thou hast and distribute it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. Sell all that thou hast. Distribute it to the poor, then thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. In verse 23, he said, And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Now, let me tell you the spiritual science of this thing. The reason why Jesus Christ, you know, was showing him this. There was a spiritual science over there. This is it. If he obeyed the law of God from his youth, that means from his youth, God was in his heart. But by the time he now got money, 
money replaced God in his heart. Because what Jesus Christ was trying to do was that, okay, since you now have money, give the money. Because anything you cannot give is your God. We can give ourselves. The only thing we cannot give is God. We can give our life. And that's the highest. So anything you are unable to give is your God. The man was offended because he was very rich. Money was now his God. So sometimes you find murmuring and complaining. And those ones too are in the heart. So we took first day and second day to purify the heart. Because if you really want to follow God and see results in following God, there are many things that have to go away. The third one we talked about was the, their soul was very weak. Their collective soul was very weak. They sat in the seat of the scornful. They walked in the way of the sinners. They were in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, when that passed away, he now comes to the next part. He says, but his delight is in the Lord. So we are going there. Yesterday I talked about the spiritual location. All right? And we talk about Christ. When you believe, you come into Christ. When you believe, you come into Christ. So after you have purified your heart, what next? Some Christians, after they purify their hearts, they don't know that something is now. You want to see progress. So these 14 days, what I'd like you to term the message is prevailing faith. Prevailing faith. Now, they want to see progress in their life. They have done away with evil things in their hearts. They have done away with things that are not supposed to be in their hearts. Yet, probably, they are yet not still seen. They are very cool, very good Christians. They don't gossip about anybody. They don't talk about anybody. But their life is not going their way, the way they're supposed to go. What has actually happened is that they have, first of all, purified their hearts, but the heart is empty. As a Christian, one of the things you need to pay attention to is your heart. Because I said faith is born in the heart. I've told you, faith is not vain. Faith is not stubbornness. Faith is not trust. Or faith is not only trust. You know, some people say, well, I'm going to trust God, and that is faith. No, in the New Testament, faith is beyond trust. Faith is, um, is, method, is uh, methodical. It's, it's, it's in a way of a method. You need to understand, faith is like a science. It's a theory. If you don't understand the theory of faith, you'll never be able to act in its practical because there's a theory of faith and there's a practicality of faith. And these two move together. Anytime you think of spirituality, you think of spiritual things, always think about it like a science. Because when you don't think about it like a science, you'll be expecting magic, and God is not in the realm of magic. If God is in the realm of science, that means there's something scientific about God. Remember what he said? He said the hairs on your head are numbered. He didn't say they are counted. He said they are numbered. Numbered means they are coded. That means they have codes. So all those who are into computer engineering, everything you understand about coding, is, that's the same, same thing of the human makeup. So when God was making man, it was not just pouring blood and all those things. Everything is coded. Why does blood have to go to the brain and come back? It's, it's methods. When you are dealing with God, think about methods. Think about theory. Once you understand the theory, it's like mathematics. When you are suffering with commas, the best thing anybody can help you is to help you to identify the theory. Because once you understand the theory, you're not just going to put the answer. Because many math uh, uh, questions, where you have the section B, they'll tell you, work it. And they will mark the working and mark the answer. Am I right? That means it is not about the answer you are giving us. We want to know how you arrive at the answer. So they are trying to help you understand the theory. So when you get into more advanced mathematics, they are not, they are not even looking for your answer at all. When you get to more advanced mathematics, you see that the mathematicians are rather chewing the theory. Are you getting it? So you have to understand the theory. So the same way with faith, you have to understand the theory of faith. How does this thing happen? 
So if you want your, your faith to always be prevailing over circumstances, prevailing over the things you want to do, the things you want to do this year will still require faith. So we are going there. We are selling the hearts. The Bible says that guard your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. That means no man's life is as a result of his, his environment. That your parents are not rich is not the reason why you are suffering. Because check it. Most rich people, when you go and meet their children, you realize they are sometimes even more hardworking than the poor people's children. I have met a couple of them. How is it that some rich people are able to hand over their full companies to their children and their children handle it correctly? I remember many years ago working in a studio with a man. The owner of Vodafone brought his son to Ghana to learn sound engineering from this man. The guy is first to come to work, even before the sound engineer. I'm wondering, son of Vodafone? I mean, you are the one taking all our credit. So, rich people, I know some rich people, they, their fathers are even more stingy. They give them little money. We wonder, again, it's not your father who is so wealthy. Why? Because rich people, the, the legacy they really leave for their children is a lot of time education than principles. Because if in your heart you are not solidified, if we give you a, a, a house full of money, it's only a matter of time, you will come back to your level. Which level? The level of your heart. He said, keep your heart with all diligence. Can you give me the message translation? I want to see what message says about it. Then later, I, I don't know if you have the passing translation. I saw the passing translation today. It was very deep. Let's give you a message first. Let's see if the message can nail it on the head. He said, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. That's deep. He said, that's where life starts. King James says, out of it are the issues of life. Everything that will happen in your life will come out of your heart. He said, that's where life starts. That's where life starts. Ladies and gentlemen, Mount garrison over your heart. Because we are not going to look at certain things and certain steps that now define faith in the heart. Number one, write it down. Desire. Now, according to the location where we have come to, there are possibilities. According to the location, we have come to a place of possibilities. Now, I said your location defines what? Your destiny. Because your location is your destination. And that is what we get, we get out of the word destiny. Because anywhere you don't call your location, it means you have not arrived. If you have not arrived, you're on a journey. That's not your location. But if any man be in Christ, that's our location. We are not moving away from there. We have come onto Mount Zion. So it defines our possibilities, the things that are supposed to happen to us and the things that are not supposed to happen to us. Now you have come into this place where the Bible talks about all the things that happen for you in Christ. It talks about divine healing, talks about divine health, talks about salvation, talks about so many things that happen for you in Christ. The glory of God that you see in your life. That he said uh, that they which receive abundance of grace and of gifts of righteousness shall reign in life. Talking about the Christian supposed to be prevailing in faith. Christians supposed to be prevailing in faith. Some say, oh, when you're a Christian, some people say, when you're a Christian, you're not supposed to be rich. It's not true. It's not true. We'll talk about that in a bit. We'll talk about that in a bit. He said, not trust in uncertain riches. Now, underline these things that he has written over there. He says, rich in this world. You underline it, rich in this world. Then he says, that they be not high-minded. He said, not trust in uncertain riches. So, you underline uncertain riches. He says, but what? But in the living God. What's he talking about? The trust. He said, but trust in the living God. Who what? Who gives us all things richly to enjoy. 
That means there is God's kind of riches. Because it says God gives us richly. He said God gives us richly all things to enjoy. That means when you come into Christ, you are coming to the place of all things. That's the location. It's the location of all things. Paul said that God is able to make all grace abound to you. When you come into Christ, nothing is impossible to you. There's nothing you cannot have. There's nothing too much for God to give to you. There's nothing you cannot have. There's nothing you cannot be. Believe it. Let it first of all be in your mind. The problem is, some people want to be rich in this world. Now, let me tell you this. If you go to be with the devil, he can make you rich. I always say that, yes, the devil can make people rich. Because he said, he said, charge them that are rich in this world. That means you can be rich without God. He said, but such people, they are tempted with being high-minded. So, so they do not trust in uncertain riches. The riches of someone who is not born again, someone who does not belong to God, the riches of such person is called uncertain riches. He said, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy? That means when you have God, when you trust in the living God and know his word, you understand that when you come into Christ, he said, if ye then be in Christ, he said, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs, and heirs according to the promise. So when you come to be in Christ, you have come to a place of possibilities. It is possible. God does not want you to suffer. Are you supposed to be in health or God sometimes make you sick? No, that is not God. God is interested in your prosperity. God is interested in your health. He said, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health. So God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to be wealthy. Believe it. That's the location in Christ. That's your location in Christ. In the kingdom, God gives us riches as a ransom for our life. God gives us riches because there's a lot you cannot do for God when you're not rich. And you would think every pastor who has money is demonic. It's not demonic. You see, lack of money can make you develop eyes that are not real. He said, the love of money is the root of all evil. Also the lack of it. Because when you are poor, you think every rich person got it by dubious means. Poverty gives you wrong lessons. You interpret things wrongly. Most poor people think somebody is supposed to help them who has not helped them. Most poor people are better on top of the poverty. When poor people come to church and pastor mentions, we just gave $100,000. They say, well, if, they, if they give me, if they give me 20000 out of this, what I will do? So someone will ask a question. So why are some Christians not rich? Because you can be a Christian and be poor. You can be in a location of rich people and be the poorest person. You can even be a beggar. Have you entered Trasaco before? There are some kiosks that some people are living inside. In Trasaco. I was going to visit my friend. He said he lives at Trasaco. I was going to visit him. The road to the place. I saw some people living on computer building. The guy, naked, passed in front of me. I said, is this in Trasaco? See, so even though you are in the location, it, it might happen that you will not enjoy what is in the location. Trasaka people usually do deliveries. You can be there and nobody will deliver anything to you. <laughs> Am I talking to somebody here? 
So the question is, like I told you, I said the spiritual and the physical. Faith is what gives you access into the dimension. God's dimension. It is faith that gives you access. So until you press faith, you are not playing that. You are not playing there. Your tears notwithstanding. Nobody is interested in your tears. Nobody is interested in your complaints. What they are interested in is your application of the biblical principles. I've been stated in the word of God. So, as a result of your location, now we begin to relate there. Now, the reason why I said the promised land, as some people, old Christians have said the promised land was heaven. The reason why I said that it cannot be heaven is because even though God gave them the land, God told them there were giants in the land. Remember, remember that when Moses sent the 12 spies to go and spy, they came back with a report and said, hey, there are giants in the land. There are giants in the land. Now, when you get to heaven, there's nothing to fight. There's no, so it can, promised land can never be heaven. The correct typology of the promised land is Christ. And Christ is what we live in here on earth, Mount Zion. And we talk about the possibilities. An innumerable company of angels. We talk about all the things that are supposed to happen in Christ. And today I've told you about how God wants you to prosper. I've told you about how God wants you healthy. Now, question is, are there giants in this land too? Yes! That is the reason why some Christians have come into this place, into Christ, with all these possibilities, and they are not seeing the wealth. They are not seeing the health. They are Christians. Why? Because there are giants in this land. They are giants in this land. That is why you require prevailing faith to prevail over the circumstances, to prevail over what is going on over there. When everybody said, hey, we cannot take it, Joshua and Caleb said, we are of a different spirit. We can take them. He said, if the Lord delights in us, he said, then he will let us take this land. So now, we're going to look at the things that make, the things that make for this prevalence in faith. The things that make for this prevalence in faith. Number one is desire. 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 Or a strong desire. Let me say something about desire. Oh boy, I'm sure you love this. Desire is a legal force that produces consent. You know, if God can locate what is in a man's heart, then the devil can also, he can, he can sense what is in a man's heart. Spirit can sense. Thoughts emit energy. Thoughts emit energy. So, desire was put inside us by God. It is a force. It was put by God inside a man so that it will produce consent. So that the transaction that spirit wants to have with him becomes consensual. It becomes legally consensual. Otherwise, otherwise, if this force was not available, then God can save the world with a snap of his finger. But that will be illegal. So, what does God do? God now brings you information. And by that information, he arouses desire. So, what, how did you get born again? Someone preached. Then you desire to be saved. So, desire is what brings you into the picture. 
So what God wants to give you is on one side. What you must have, we're not looking at how it happens. Remember when Peter preached? Bible says that the people were preached in their hearts. And they asked the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? In Acts chapter 2. He said, men and brethren, what shall we do? What is happening? At the time Peter was preaching, the Holy Ghost aroused desire. So, if you never hear, because some Christians have never heard that as a Christian you are supposed to prosper. And because they have never had that, it has never produced desire. So, even though it is a possibility in Christ, they never see it. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 36. He said, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Verse 37. That's Peter was preaching. Verse 38. Verse 37. He said, Now when they had heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Anything that you want to harvest in the location, first of all, you need to have a strong desire. Information produces desire, whether in the negative or in the positive. Information produces desire. So as you are hearing the word of God right now, something is happening to you. A desire is being harnessed. A desire is being harnessed. It's like that in the negative. Why is it that you watch porn the next time you want to have sex? Why? That information, the information is either coming to you from your eyes, from your ears. The information comes after the information comes to you by your by your senses, by your feelings. You were not feeling anything. One boy came to hold your waist. And after he held your waist, you said, Something is going through me. Something is passing through me. <laughs> yeah, something is moving my leg. Bro. One guy, you know, I heard some ladies say they like it when they are hugged from behind. Yeah. So you were just there, the guy came to hug you from behind. Then you remembered six years ago. <laughs> Something like they all they thought. What is that? The guy has what? Aroused desire. And desire, I said it's a fault God. Desire is so powerful that it can overpower God. A man can have so much desire. Before Cain, listen. Before Cain killed Abel, God spoke to him. He still went ahead and killed the boy. A man can be so filled with desire for something that even if you preach to him, he said, no. I will do what I want to do. So when a spirit wants to do a transaction with a man, one of the ways is that he will put in him a desire. So the guy will think, I did it. No, the spirit did it. God desires a language. God also speaks to us through desire. You, that, that's one of the ways to know your calling. You can know your calling through desire. The Bible says, for it is God who is at work in us, both to will, that is to desire. So God can be working in you, and you are not hearing a voice. All that is working in you is desire. Desire to preach. Desire to go to church. Desire to serve God. And that is God. It's a calling. But you didn't see an angel say, my daughter, go and play tambourine in church. But all of a sudden, anytime you see the tambourine in church, you feel like going to pick it. God is talking. 
Because it said God is at work. It's one of the ways God works, through desire. The Bible says that when desire comes, it is a tree of life. Come on. When desire comes, the Bible says hope deferred make the heart sick. A man will never be able to come out of his predicament if a new information does not come to him that he can come out of it. See how people, who, people look when you tell them that this sickness, nothing can be done about it, you will die. The information kills them faster than the sickness. I said that information even kills them faster than the sickness. Now, information, that's why the Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart. It's not everything you allow into your heart because you arouse desire. And you have started a journey of faith like that. You arouse desire. 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 Desire works with your emotions. You see? It works with your emotions. A strong desire. A strong desire. I've been talking about, almost every day, I'm talking about two million copies. What am I doing? I am feeding my desire. Why do I say sometimes post your target in your room? You feed your desire. Because you see, anything that you easily forget will not be done. There's so, you know, like Moses Bliss said, in the world of so many voices. There are so many voices moving around. You might forget what you want to do in a year. So what do you do? You feed your desire. You feed your desire. You feed your desire. You feed your desire. A strong desire. Jesus Christ said, whatsoever things ye desire. I mean, God treats desire so importantly. It's so important. It's so important to God. I see, I see, I have a desire that we will have 100,000 people at the Independence Square. I have that desire. It's strong in my heart. 100,000 people with healings and miracles taking place, with us affecting lives in this nation. It's a strong desire. And I don't back down that desire. I have it in my room. I have it written down. Why does God talk to us? If he can do it, why is he telling us? Talk to me. If God can do it, why is he telling us? He's telling you so that it will produce a desire in you. So that if you are not taking that direction, because God will have to do it in partnership with you. So he's telling you so that your desire comes into that place. Then you, God's word and your desire meet. Magic is about to happen. Desire. Strong desire. Strong desire to do big things for God. Strong desire. So a lot of the time, no, you were probably designed other things in the world. When you were in the world, I remember one lady who says that when she was coming to campus, her, her, at that time, Ebony was alive. She said her role model was Ebony. She was really coming to pepper us on campus. Then she met one, one of my friends who led her to Christ. Now she's a fellowship leader. Desire has what? Changed. There's now strong desire. Now, there is, there is negative desire. Because, you see, desire is like a blank check. Information is what arouses it. Emotions don't understand this is correct, this is wrong. Because the same emotions you will use when you are not married is the same emotions you use when you are married. Talk to me. Or what I'm saying is not correct. It's very correct. There's no, when you get married, there's no new emotions that will come and say, okay, from today, use this emotion. No. The same one that came to you when you were not married, is the same one you will need when you are married. So what, what made it correct or wrong? Because the desire in itself is blank. doesn't know that you are married. doesn't know you are not married. It comes when it is aroused. So you now have to learn how to control the desire. Now, 
Hold on to this. Some people have no, you know, um, have no power over their desires. And that is wrong. Once you are born again, you have to have power over your desires, regardless of your gender. Tomorrow we'll talk more about desire. Regardless of your gender. You know, sometimes they say, oh, ladies, we overthink. Ladies, we overthink. And they are happy. And they don't know that it is not scriptural. It's not in the scripture. The Bible says, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are good report. He said, think on these things. So the Bible tells you what to think on. Not that your mind should run, run haywire. When you see such posts on, on social media, don't quickly identify. How different will you then be from those who are homosexuals? Because not to define yourself, oh, that is how we also change. No, once you find yourself that your, uh, um, by, by, by virtue of your gender, there are some things that come naturally to you. You look into the scripture. What do you do? You begin to tune. You begin to tune into what the scripture says. Because this is how God made man. God made man in a way that he is, he is malleable. Man is malleable. We are sitting over here. We are sitting over here. Eh? We cannot, some of us cannot even move our leg to this side. But there are people who have trained their bodies to do acrobatics in a way that they can move their, this leg over to their head. What happened? Training. Training. So you, are, you, you have the ability to tune it. So if there are certain things that also come, you know, uh, to your, maybe uh, the masculine gender easily, and it is not in line with scripture, what do you do? You start shaping yourself. In, is it going to be a day's job? No. But you start shaping yourself. In the area of that particular thing that so I say, yeah, me, we, me, I overthink, me overthink, and be happy that you overthink. When you see where you are going wrong, you take the scripture and start tuning it. All men cheat. All men cheat. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Let me say, but say, please, David, say, please, Solomon. First question for you, are you a king? Are you a king? I'm not a king. On a more serious note, we will only know the correct thing to be done. We only know the correct thing to be done by what happened in the beginning. Did God give Adam two women? If God gave Adam to women, then we know that we have to follow Adam. But God said it one one. So any desire that comes to your gender naturally, because if you ask the men, they also tell you that. I remember having a meeting with the boys, and I said, "Boys, they said yeah." I said it is hard to keep one woman. All of them said yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, because truly. As it comes to the gender, you know, when I start saying things like this, this is how it comes to the gender. The gender, dear, if it comes to that, the gender, the, the adventurous nature does not permit having one thing. But we want to go with the rapture of the church. And to go with the rapture of the church, we have to start checking some of the things. Come on. I know many of the guys don't like this message. I've preached. So let's get back to desire. Information arouses desire. Information arouses desire. It arouses desire. 
So, you want to do something this year. Your mother is sick. You want a miracle for her. Strong desire. It has to be strong desire. The desire has to be strong. Desire has to be strong. It's like, it's like it becomes a part of your emotion. I said, we're going to do two million copies. I've written it everywhere. In fact, today, I, called, I said, Brown, print a shirt for me. Print the shirt. I said, write on it. It has happened. Yes. I said, print a shirt for me. It has happened. Now, some of you don't understand some of these spiritual things. A lot of the time, when, especially I remember the amount of God Pastor Chris did it, when it was year of spreading, he wore a shirt, year of spreading. He wore a cap, year of spreading. Everything was your spreading. Because the fact that God said doesn't mean it to happen. There has to be a collision. Come on. There has to be a collision between what God said and your desire. You have to have a strong desire. It must eat into your being. What you want to do must enter your spirit. If what you are going to achieve is going to be by faith, then the first thing is a strong desire. A strong desire in your heart. A strong desire in your heart. That's what happened to us the day we, we, we received the gospel. The gospel aroused desire, desire to be saved, desire not to go to hell, desire to be with God, desire. That's why they preached the gospel to us, and we said, oh, oh, because of the gospel, because of the gospel, because of the gospel, this can come to me. Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation. That means, oh, I need to be saved. That's when you read the book of Romans chapter 1, write to Romans chapter 3. Paul begins by, you know, making known to the Jews that you need salvation. Making known to the Gentiles, you need salvation. So everybody now recognizes his need, then begins to desire the change. Then he now presents to them the gospel. So information brings desire. That's what the gospel does. So anytime we preach, what we are doing is that we are arousing in you a desire for God. When you come for our camps, that is what we do. We, we, we are arousing you a desire to love God. A desire to love God by the agency of the Holy Spirit. It begins to raise that desire. You begin to have that desire. You who was not even thinking about God before, now you are thinking about God. There's a desire that has come into your heart. Desire to win. Are you listening to me? Desire to win. Desire to win. Desire to win for God and win big for God. Desire to win and win for God. Desire to win big for God. Say, I'll do big things for God. So I'll do big things for God. Are you having that desire? With that desire, we're going to pray right now. With that desire, we're going to pray right now. Have that desire in your spirit. Have that desire in your heart. Say, Lord, I'm going to do big things for you. My life is not for small things. Anybody who tries to tell you, anybody who tries to tell you, oh, listen, we will grow, then we'll just marry, then be family women, then we are not going to... No, take that desire out. Take that desire. Remove those pictures. Many times when people talk to you, they talk to you with the lenses of culture. Sometimes even your parents who are just telling you, you know, it's okay, just have a small business, and have a small house, have a small shopping phone. No, have a desire to, to do big things for God. Have a desire to be a global material. Have a desire. Have a desire. Your brother is probably, you know, having a bipolar issue. You want to see him say, it starts with a desire. It starts with a desire. Your father is probably a drunkard and you want him to start. First of all, start with a strong desire. Are you really desirous of that change? Or is there something that you remember sometimes and say, hey, even my father has been having this problem. Let me go and see pastor. No, when you come, you come with a strong desire. When you come for a healing meeting, you come with a strong desire. A strong desire for a change. You know that something is going to happen. So you come with a strong desire for a change. All the evil things are going to come 
are going to pass by and you're going to subscribe to the word of God. What God says concerning the situation, you're going to have a strong desire for it. With that desire right now, you're going to pray. What, you know, one of the things I do when I have a desire, not to kill it, is to pray. Because you see, when that desire is not from God, when you pray in tongues more, it will die. But when it's from God, we realize that the more you pray in tongues, the more you cannot... You, you, let me tell you, even guys do it. The guy will tell you, I cannot stop thinking about you. He will tell the lady, I cannot stop thinking about you. Once the lady is in his mind, it is cause, it is text, it is cause, and how are you doing? Let me tell you something. Naturally, God, guys don't like calling. Guys don't like talking. If you're a guy who like talking, you probably have some small estrogen. Yeah. Yeah, you have some estrogen. Guys don't like talking. And you see, the more they grow, they will sit in their rocking chair reading news. They can be quiet and quiet because guys like to think more. They like to take plans. And the ladies like to talk. So the guy is talking to you every day because at that time there's a strong desire. There's a strong desire. The lady has not yet accepted his proposal, so the desire is strong. It's strong. He will call, he will call at midnight. Have you slept? I've not slept. In the morning. Have you eaten? I've not eaten. In the afternoon, have you eaten? I've not eaten. Go and buy food. No. Have you bath? No. So I said, ah, where are you? There was a reply, where are you born? Satan. At that time, the desire is strong. Let him get what he's looking for. Then you realize that desire can vanish. And when desire vanishes, at that time, <laughs> the lady now begins to panic and she now begins to do the calling. Come on. For me, I tell you the truth. Should I tell you the truth? Yeah. The lady now be panicking and now be calling. What is going on? Before, you were calling because it was a strong desire. When that guy's desire now shifts to either another person or it shifts to another thing, a lot of the time, I'm, 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 even, I'm using the genders to explain it because this is something God put in the heart of every human, whether you are a man or a woman. You see, it's desire is a force. It's a force. It's very strong. It's like love. It's like love. Love is also a force. Faith is also a force. There are forces in this world. Faith is a force, but desire is a force. The Bible says when desire cometh, it's a tree of life. Desire. I desire to do big things for God. I have a desire to impact young people for God. I have a desire to impact even the old for God. I have a desire to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. I have that desire. That desire is burning in my heart. It's burning in my heart. Am I talking to somebody here? You have that desire burning in your heart. Whatever you want to do. That's the reason sometimes I tell you, write, write your target on a piece of paper. You don't understand why I do that. It's because you need to bring it out. The more you see it, the more the desire is aroused. The more you see it, I said information is what brings desire. Information is what brings desire. Imagine sometimes you're not even hungry and someone comes to you. Oh, if I got watepa, that talia with leaves, with gari, with some wele on the side and some fish, all of a sudden your mouth begins to water. Desire. There's some Indomie called Yata. The moment they tell you about Yata Indomie, you begin to remember how she puts the egg 
how she she puts slices of chicken in it and sometimes she even adds beef and there's pepper so much pepper that if you don't take care the next morning where we will find you is not good then you know 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 i remember when we went to holiday invest our first meeting we were just a few we didn't fill the hall i had a strong desire i said lord this place must be full it was a strong desire so anytime i prayed that picture was there it was a strong desire strong desire so maybe you are a cell leader and every time your cell venue is i remember my first crusade i had at gcb car park i arranged about 200 chairs and only 50 people came i didn't like it so anytime i was praying anytime i was praying there was a strong desire there was a strong desire it didn't take up to a year i had a crusade there and the whole place was full strong desire strong desire that's the same way that's the same way one day i went to walk past uh, uh national stadium as i walked past i saw the place inside me i saw the place filled with people serving and praising god the day Nicki minaj came to that stadium i went to walk by because i wanted to see the stadium again the place was not full i said lord we will fill it for you strong desire To lift your hands and you're going to see you're going to see you're going to see you're going to see desire desire he said when desire comes it's a tree of life once there's desire it means the situation is not dead once there's desire it means it's not over when desire is over everything is over but once desire is gone Everything is on. Everything is on. 